All right, we're in Philemon. We're going to pick up in uh, verse 8, and let's go through at least verse 14. If we get a little further, that's fine too. But uh, in verse 8 of uh, Philemon, it says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, uh, who is my very heart, back to you, and I will. Uh, I would have liked to keep him. Uh, with me so that he may take uh, your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to uh, do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. All right. Well, first of all, uh, in starting in verse eight, we've got here. Um, it, it's kind of funny. It, it, there's a, a, a term called, um, Oh, um, um, uh, rhetoric uh, that that Paul is using. He is using it incredibly well here when he says, uh, "I could tell you this, but I won't." But then, of course, he tells you, "I could tell you you should do this, but I won't do that." That that's a rhetorical tool, you know. It, it it's. Uh, in a debate situation, it's done in a way that, that says, uh, uh, I could remind you of this, but I won't. And the, the, thus reminding while pretending not to remind. Uh, and, and so he, he does this, sets up. He also talks about the fact that he could command you because why? He's an apostle. And uh, so uh, there's a certain amount of authority that comes there. He chooses not to do this. He does tell them that they what you ought to do uh, is that word that series of words there is very similar to what has been told in in Colossians three um, verse. Um, let me just get back there. I just finished it. Colossians three and verse eighteen. Where it talks about wives, submit yourselves as is fitting to the Lord. It said, do, do what you ought to do. It's the same Greek word. It, it speaks of what is, a, is proper because of the, the, the Christian order of things. <laughs> it's interesting sometimes when we find that the same concept, uh, at least I find it interesting, the same concept is used here. And no one has a problem with it here, but boy, some people have a problem in, Col in Colossians 3 about that. You know, a little, little questionable about that, but here it's okay. We don't bother, it doesn't bother us, you know, culturally. Well, the, so, the, thing, that I, the thing that I think of when you, when you say this is that uh, for those of us that have been in the group for a while, which is pretty much everyone that's on, on with us today, is that uh, we always used to say that, you know, that, when we get to heaven, we'll find out who's right, who owes who a cup of coffee. And I'm yep. thinking Jim now has all those answers. Yeah, Jim has all the answers. So, you know, ask Jim maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, this is really off 
off track, but in thinking about Colossians, um, I'm reading a book right now, and I wish I was further in it, but it's talking about reading the Bible without the Western uh, mindset is, is uh, what's, uh, what's, uh, what I'm attempting to read. And it points out a really interesting thing that uh, I had never, I mean, I know the concept and I've applied the concept in other situations, but never in a, uh, a husband-wife situation. And that is this. Um, Paul talks about the fact that, uh, and Paul and others talk about the fact that, that, uh, that the wives need to be in submission to their husbands because the husbands are the firstborn. Well, the concept of firstborn in in the Middle East in, 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 at this time frame, uh, remember what what happened between firstborn and all the other children when inheritance came about? This was back to, to Genesis. They got a double portion. They got a double portion. Why? Were they better than anybody else? No. no. Why did they get a double portion? Simply because of their position in the family. That's all. It had nothing to do with whether they were better or not better. We talk about the fact that that, uh, males are firstborn, if you will. It's the same concept from the Middle Eastern thought process. The Eastern thought process is part of that whole process. It has nothing to do with whether somebody's better or not. It has everything to do with position. I was like, oh. I never, I never applied it like that. But you know, when he says that Adam was was created first, and then Eve from Adam, they're basically the same. Adam is the firstborn, and Eve uh, follows in the family. I just thought it was fascinating. I'm not trying to get into an argument with anybody, but yeah. the concept was like, well, I never thought of it that particular way. What an interesting position to take. And Gary got to the point where he's so frustrated he took his ear earphones off. <laughs> no, that's because the audio quit working again. Um, oh. I was going to ask you, did in that culture, did the firstborn uh, after the inheritance, did they also have greater responsibilities for the rest of the family um, in lieu of the, you know, I assume the father that passed away? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, they did. In fact, if you, if you remember, um, um, Jacob and Esau, you know, the, the the firstborn kind of became the patriarch of the of the larger group, and um, but that wasn't the case with Esau and Jacob. Remember, Jacob uh, takes Esau's uh, birthright because Esau sells it for a for a bowl of soup. <laughs> now I like soup. But for the life of me, I can't figure out wh- why I would think that that it was worth my selling my birthright. But uh, anyhow, I guess I was get, getting back to you know the old admonition that uh, uh, to those whom much is given, much is required. So they may have absolutely. gotten a double portion, but more was expected of them. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, that, that's a good uh, a good way of uh, of. Uh, parsing that out so anyhow we're back in um, back in Philemon anyhow and uh, we've got we've talked about this appeal that he has it's interesting also that that Paul says I could tell you what to do because 
you should do it, but I'm not going to tell you you should. But I'm going to ask you if you would. He also talks about the fact he says, I'm, I'm of old age. Interestingly enough, in this particular instance, most scholars think that Paul was probably 57 years old. Some say that it could have been five years either way. So um, that puts him pretty squarely where we are, although some of us are a little older than that. And I would fall out on the outside of that, too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah but for us, 60 is the new 40. You know, you heard That's that, right? True. That's true. Yeah, it is. That's true. That's true. True. So in... But in terms of uh, bedtimes, uh, nine is the new midnight, so... <laughs> I don't know, for me... And, and the bladder like gets a lot smaller, too, Gary, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was up three times this morning already. Well, I, I went All to right. bed at 1.30, so I'm, uh, I'm ready for the day. He also talks about, in, in verse 10, he talks about the fact that uh, uh, he, he says that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Uh, teachers, uh, rabbis during that time frame, and even some teachers in, in Greek uh, thought referred to their uh, uh, their students, their disciples, as sons. And uh, so uh, Paul is making a plea uh, that one could not enslave the son of, of somebody who is their own spiritual <laughs> patron, if you will. Since Paul was uh, at least uh, once removed or twice removed. We don't know whether or not he out, ha helped to bring Philemon to the Lord or not, but certainly he was, Philemon was at least a second generation from Paul as a result of Paul's teaching to somebody else, perhaps. But he's, he's basically saying Paul is the, is the spiritual patron of Philemon. And he says, how can you go about enslaving my son is the, is the picture he's asking. And he says, I appeal to you. This is the idea of uh, I beseech or I, um, uh, I ask, I, I, I beg uh, for you to do this. I appeal to you for my son. Uh, it would be like, um, uh, you know what happens when we, when we, we have a parent, you know, at a sentencing pro process, the sentence, you, know, you, you have a chance to talk to the judge and, Sometimes you'll hear from uh, the person that's going to be uh, verdict is going to be read or the punishment is going to be read. And sometimes they ask for uh, witnesses to, to speak to the, the character of the person. You know, that's basically what Paul's doing here is I, I'm, I'm, I want you to help me. You know, this is something that's important to me. Because I'm well, saying, I, yeah, go ahead. I think he wants to protect the testimony of Philemon in doing so. Number yes. one, that's because that's not what's implied in this particular verse, but you're absolutely correct. He wants Philemon right. to, uh, because this is going to affect the whole church, whatever exactly. Philemon decides. He, he, he didn't have no problem to let John Mark be armed in one of those trips in order for John Mark to come back. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and the other thing is he could have said, hey, I'm the apostle. I'm the shepherd. I'm in charge, and uh, in order to preserve the unity of the church, of the group, you have to obey me because I'm the, the right, chief which shepherd. Is, which is kind of what verse 8 is all about. 
I could yeah, tell but you he, this, I don't. Right. But he doesn't by love rather than by authority, which Philemon knew that he had the authority. Paul was recognized uh, all over the place about the authorship of his uh, calling. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact, hey, I could have told you uh, without any any, any uh, innuendo or whatever, but I prefer to do it in love rather than uh, authorship, you know. So I think I'll yet for love's sake rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul, you know. Mm -hmm. And have compassion even on my age. <laughs> Ridiculous, you know. <laughs> think about me being nurtured in so many hardships in the ministry, you will preserve my even life by being distressed in thinking of the vision, you know. So. Yep. All right, so he talks about here that uh, he, he also then, there we go, finally. My notes were screwy, I couldn't read them. Uh, I, I love the fact that he talks about that I, I begot or I begat in, I think this is in the King James, I begat Onesimus in my bonds, in my chains. Um, he, he's talking about that this is how he's referring to uh, uh, Onesimus coming to Christ. So although Onesimus, whether Paul knew him or not prior to this, because, you know, remember, he'd never been to Colossae, but he apparently knew Philemon. Whether he knew Onesimus to begin with or not, but he knows Onesimus after he's in, after Paul is in prison. And then he plays on the words, remember we talked about this, Onesimus means useful or profitable. And in verse 11, uh, Paul says, he was, Onesimus was once useless, but now basically he's useful. Um, it's interesting, we don't know if, Onesimus, if he's playing on this because of simply Onesimus' name, or also for the fact that the uh, Phrygian slaves were known to be useless as a class, as a group of people. Phrygian slaves were considered to be pretty much useless. So we don't know if, if he's playing on the name alone, or if he's also playing on, on the position of the fact that Onesimus apparently is a Phrygian. And then think about this. Um, Paul says, I'm sending him back. I'm sending him to you. Think about what that implies. Onesimus isn't under chains. He's not under arrest. He's not being dragged back to Philemon. What's he doing? He's going apparently willingly what does that tell you if i was going to refer to a, a passage from the sermon on the mount or matthew 5 or matthew 18 what's he saying i did something wrong and i need to go make it right i think uh, onesimus said a good testimony yeah. Even in Rome, yeah. you know, once you flee from quote unquote prison uh, by a slave point of view, 
you gain liberty, it's a new life. Number one, it's difficult for your owner to come and find you in Italy from the Middle East. Because you're unprofitable, like you said, worthless, uh, according to those laws. He's sending him back from Italy, back to the Middle East. That's a trip. Yep, it is. And, he's and apparently out. Onesimus is going willing. And not only is he's returning to the so-called former owner, is bringing his testimony with him from Paul's end and his life's transformation gained by hearing the gospel of salvation. This is, when he talks about prof- profitability, we think always of uh, monetary thing, you know, what he can do for me and how the household may be go well. Here is in a spiritual way. It's profitable to me. He's helping me in the ministry. He's going to help you in your testimony in Colossae. It's terrific. I think it's kind of, it's fascinating if you think about it. You have Paul, who is an apostle, who's aged, who's in prison. And what are the chances of him running into, in prison, you know, granted he's under, under house arrest, but in prison he runs into the slave of one of his disciples in Rome, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And not only does he run into him, but he becomes important. And, and in one way that the, the translated, he was the joy of, an, of this aged apostle. And he's so, he's, he's so important to, to Paul that he wants to clear the deck, he wants to clear the air, and he wants to clear the situation. And so he is suggesting that Onesimus go back, and he writes a letter of recommendation to to this guy, to, to this guy, this 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 friend of his. Say, hey, he was useless, but now he's he's a pretty good deal. You should consider him. And notice that it's it's also interesting that sometimes slaves were freed by their masters, uh, so much freed, but maybe sold, maybe freed, but they became slaves of the of the temple of some god. And Paul is basically saying to Philemon, "I want you to release Onesimus from being your slave." to becoming a slave or a freedman for Christ. Uh, he's basically doing what the what was a typical concept. He's suggesting that they this is something that, that was not uncommon. I don't know how common it was, but it, it happened on a semi-regular basis. If somebody was especially a, um, a, a religious person, they might consider doing that. And... Uh, you know, and runaway, and here is a runaway slave. He's saying, hey, I mean, he's suggesting I want you to give him over to the gospel to serve to serve our, our God, the God that we both worship. And then he's, he goes on to say in, in verses 13 and 14, by the way, Philemon, I really could use Onesimus to serve as your proxy. 
hey, this guy's really been helpful to me in the ministry. If you can see your way clear, he's, about, he's kind of hinting. If you can see your way clear, it'd be great if you send him back. He could be your proxy for me. You know, Paul has no right to keep Onesimus. He needs to do what he needs to do about, you know, following the Roman law if he's going to be obedient to, to God and, and to Rome, especially since he's under house arrest. How, how would it be if he's under house arrest and he continues to break the law? How many times have we seen repeat offenders who, you know, are out on parole, you know, and, uh, and they go before the judge? I've unfortunately had the opportunity to, to be in several courtrooms over the last several years. And I'm amazed at how many people are uh, repeat offenders. And sometimes they're repeat offenders while they're on uh, either on parole or on, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're waiting for trial. And so they're put on some kind of a probation. Uh, and in the midst of that, they're still continuing to, uh, to break the laws. So Onesimus needs to make restitution for his own sake. He needs to make restitution for the sake of the church. And they, they need to, the church needs to see, and, and by the way, Philemon needs to do the right thing, whatever that might be, because it's going to affect the church. And it's going to have, it's going to affect the, the ability of that church to be able to function in the, in the fashion that God wants it to function as. We're going to talk about this when we get to First Corinthians about the, the body of Christ and every portion of the body is important. And here is Paul sending back a portion of the body saying, hey, we need to reincorporate him into the body. Now, Philemon has the, has the, has the power to do whatever he wants. He can, do, he can choose to, uh, to, to accept him and to forgive him or he can choose to not. The choice is, is strictly his. But Paul is saying, I hope you'll make the right choice. All right. Let's see here. Let's go on a little bit here. Let's read the rest of the chapter. We're not going to get all the way through it, but we'll get a good portion of it. And then that'll give me a chance to do some putting it all together and, and kind of some closing thoughts and, and ideas uh, next week as well. In verse 17 it says, and following, it says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done, any, uh, done to you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. And I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your, your very self. I do, not, uh, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And it says, and one one thing more: prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to re to be restored to you and answer your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, send you greetings, and so do Mark and uh, Arist. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Aristarchus and Aristarchus. I'm sorry, Aristarchus. Aristarchus. Thank you. I I knew that word and I couldn't think how to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, Demas and Luke, my fellow worker, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right. It's kind of interesting. 
to my right notes here. Here we go. He talks about the fact that uh, consider me your partner uh, and welcome him as you would welcome me. This idea of partner is really is interesting because some of you perhaps have heard me say this or you've heard perhaps other teachers say this, the, the, con, the, the Greek word koinonia. And we talk about koinonia and we say that it means fellowship. And, and that's true. Sometimes it's, it's, it's also translated communication depending upon the, if it's an older translation. It means fellowship. It also means to have, to have in common. And uh, he's saying, hey, we are in koinonia. We are in, we have all things in common. And, and as such, welcome him as you would welcome me. Receive him as myself. Uh, you know, I, I find that that's a pretty bold statement. You know, it'd be like, uh, it would be kind of like the king sending a letter to uh, another king and saying, this guy is my ambassador. I want you to treat him like you would treat me. And so he goes on to say, and then he says, if, if, if he's done anything wrong or owes you anything, ha has Onesimus done anything wrong? Yeah, he must have. He ran away. That's yeah. one thing. He might have stole something. He might have stolen something. So he, he he's... <coughs> First, he's stolen, perhaps he's stolen property. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, he's stolen work hours True. away from his boss. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, I wonder how many of us can say that we've always given a, a full work <laughs> to our employer. You know, we've always, we've, you know, we put in a, if we were paid for eight hours, we did at least eight hours worth of work. And I can say sometimes I've been really glad when, when there were times in my life when I was basically self-employed. Yeah, it was nice. I didn't have to answer anybody other than me. But when I when I worked for the church, I always I always went way over whatever the required amount of hours were. Why? Because I felt that I was I owed it to the church. I owed it to God. I didn't want to cheat either of them. I think I told you this one time. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I was paid at one church when I was first in the ministry. I, I was there for quite a while. I was paid for 16 hours a week. I uh, I kept track of my uh, my hours over a year just for curiosity's sake. I worked an average of 37 hours a week for 16 hours of pay. You went to 7-Eleven. Um, <laughs> I did it not because I was being paid. I did it because I loved, I loved what I was doing and I sure. loved serving God. Exactly. And it was, it, it wasn't a burden. It was a, for me, it was an absolute joy. Now mm -hmm. it's hard to translate that. And we're working to a, to a, a non-believer or even a believer and not necessarily God, but we've been told over and again, we were told this in Colossians to work as though it was you were working for, for Christ as though he was your boss which changes the way I ought to be doing things. It's, it's a, it's really kind of, uh, God really gets on me sometimes about those kinds of things. He goes on to say, charge it to me. This is, um, this is a term that, 
is uh, an interesting term because it is, uh, uh, some translations say imputed me. This is what theologians call the doctrine of imputation. Anybody know what that is? It means to, uh, to pay it, yeah. to do something for someone else, to, to yeah. take care of their bill. Yeah. 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 And, and we talk about the fact that, uh, that Paul is saying to do this uh, because of, uh, of the situation that, uh, you know, that he has with Onesimus and with uh, Philemon. He says, look, you know, if, he's, if he's done anything, I'll pay it. I, if he owes you anything. Does that remind you of any story that Jesus uh, pulled uh, and we talked about recently in one of the, our recent uh, meetings at the church where he says, uh, hey, I want you to, um, I'm paying you this and if, uh, if, if it costs more. The Good I'll Samaritan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's um, saying, hey, if, if, if he ends up owing you more, um, just put fine. it to my account. When I come through, I'll settle up with you. What's that? Yeah. He's asking to impute the charges, any extra charges the innkeeper has with the Good Samaritan. There, there's another um, place that that happens. Uh, it's mentioned. It's mentioned in in uh, my favorite book, uh, oh. James. And it says in James chapter two, verse twenty-three, and the scripture was fulfilled, saying, Abraham believed God, and it was. Imputed. credited to him as righteousness it was imputed to him it was put to his account it's an accounting term treat him the way you would treat me when i trust him when i trusted him as my savior his righteousness was put to my account and now god accepts me in christ jesus and jesus said to the father he is no longer he no longer owes you a debt because i paid it fully on the cross receive him as you would receive me that's what that's what paul is saying to to philemon receive onesimus as though you would, as the, the way you would receive me think about how strange that must have been in the first century when you own this person and you're told oh i want you to treat him as though he's co-equal with me as he's the same as me well i mean this is probably very obvious but isn't that what jesus did <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's the yeah that's the point he's saying he's i want you to basically it's almost like he's saying pay it forward yeah i'll cover it yes happened to my wife recently i don't remember what she was doing she was doing something I don't know if she was in line, to, if, if she was getting lunch or what, but someone paid her bill. Really? It just, you know, unknown, no, no idea who <laughs> just paid the bill. It was me. Yeah, could have been, could have been. So we're getting to the end where I'm going to come back to this next week and we'll finish this up. Because I want to talk about next week, I want to talk about this, that there is a difference between accepted in Christ and acceptable to Christ. Anyone who trusts Jesus Christ for their salvation is accepted in him. But it's a whole different thing to be acceptable to Christ. And we'll talk about that next week. All right. Well, nice. 
Thanks for 